So last night at the end of our uh, prayer time, I was hanging out in here. You know, we just had this 24 hours of prayer, and the, uh, Jen and uh, Georgian is not in here, I guess, right now, and the wonders aren't here today, but Jen, Jen Georgian, oh, there's Georgian in the back. Um, uh, they organized the thing and did a great job. I don't, those of you who were here noticed every room was set up with a different thing to pray for and had like all the stuff to work through in that room, um, you know, all the stuff that takes place in the church in that room. And it was like, it was an awesome time of prayer. And then uh, up here, just had, it was, it was set up uh, as kind of like an altar before God. And uh, there's candles uh, up here with stuff to write on, um, stuff that you wanted to let go of. Um, if you want to enter the community and if you want to enter relationship with God on a deeper level, we all have to make sacrifices and there was, we could just write our sacrifice. The thing we wanted to surrender, sacrifice to God and roll it up and people stuck it in the cross that was there. And uh, it was awesome. It was great. It was a beautiful prayer time. The people who came in and out were, were really moved. Next time we do this, if you missed it, you, you need to be there. Um, it, it was a pretty profound time. Um, at the end, as we were closing up shop at the end, um, I was in here praying, and, and they came walking in, getting ready to close everything down, and we sat up front, and we were uh, sitting here praying, and uh, and, and uh, George Ann uh, was praying, just, you know, kind of sealing the time, just asking God that, that it would go with us, you know, that the, that the moment that people had would go with them, and it wouldn't just be left behind, and as we were praying around all this stuff, she prayed um, that... Uh, also that this morning, that as I was teaching and as I, as I was leading this morning, that God would uh, give me courage to do whatever it is that he called me to do today in order to communicate around that and that type of thing. And an image came to mind when uh, when that happened. Um, before I tell you what that image is, you ever heard about the website Woot, W-O-O-T, Woot.com? It's a pretty cool website. They have like every day, they have like a, a daily, uh, you know, it's like a sellout or a refurbished item that is like dirt cheap and you can, each day it's a deal, you know? And if it's a thing you need, you can pick some stuff up there for, for pretty cheap, it's cool. And they have, they have one thing each day where they have like one just random thing and then they have like a, a kid, kids woot and they have a shirt woot. And a couple of weeks ago, I saw this shirt that I'm wearing right now online and I saw it and as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I'm getting that shirt. So I got the shirt and this is, this is like a month ago and they said it'll be there in five days or whatever. Well, then, I, you know, it gives you a tracking number sometimes, like FedEx tracking number. So I went, and every time I went to click on it, it'd say, uh, I don't know where this thing's from. I should have looked. And some of Georgian, I don't know, it's, it must be from overseas. So you might, I don't know, hopefully it wasn't made by people who were in sweatshops somewhere. But, uh, the, uh, but it said it was caught up in Thailand you know, because of all, everything going on in Thailand. So it, it just kept saying it's caught up in Thailand. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So it kept being caught up, caught up. And then uh, I forgot about it. And then yesterday uh, I was going over uh, to, to make a campsite over at my parents' place for my kids to go camping at. And uh, as I was on my way there, I stopped and got the mail. And I opened it up. And there's a package in there. I'm like, what's this? I opened it up and I forgot about the shirt. I'm like, ah, oh, there's that shirt. Yeah. And so while we were sitting here, praying yesterday and George Ann said give Tim the message that you want for him tomorrow and what it is that he should be saying the first thing that came to my mind was that bright red shirt and I'm like ah yeah that's actually kind of what I'm talking about tomorrow so I'm going to wear my bright red t-shirt I haven't started the message yet by the way that was all just an explanation of my t-shirt sorry it's a short message today I think
We'll find out, right? Today we're, um, we're talking about openness. You know, we've been in this spiritual toolbox series talking about all the tools that God gives us to access his grace. His grace is, is there for us in abundance, but we need to access it, and we access it by faith, and there are specific actions of faith that he gives us. And last week, we, you know, these kind of follow the up, in, and out in our relationship with God, the prayers, that direct connection with God, Scripture is the way that we internalize God, and then when we go out with God, openness, sharing with those around us, not living in kind of our greedy little own circle, but living with the boundaries down and interacting with other people. And specifically today, now we're talking about service and our story. What do we share with other people when we're open? We share with them the works of our hands, how we can serve them and how we can bless them with compassion. And we also share with them our story, the, what God is doing within us. And, and that's what we share. Um, really, it has to do with what we do with our mouth and our hands. You know, the works that, that we're, we're called to do. We're, called that God's pe- we're told that God's people are prepared. Uh, we, are, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for works of service that he has called us to and that the people that uh, in the church, that those who are provided leadership, who provide leadership in the church, that our job is to equip people for works of service, which God has for, preordained that we should do. And so each one of us, there are things that God has actually called us to do, and it's our job to do those. And when we come to church, it's about the equipping, getting ready. It's about going up and connecting with God. It's about internally being transformed, ultimately, so that we can go out and we can share and be open with that with others. And when we go out, when we care for others, and when we have compassion on others, it's imperative that we also open our mouths and share our story, because otherwise the credit doesn't go where it belongs. Sometimes we think like, you know, we shouldn't talk because then it feels like we're being pushy or trying to convert people. If we talk about God, that it's like, it's just awkward, you know? But the truth is, is if we don't talk about God, then anything good that's in our lives, people think it's about us. And then we're stealing God's glory from them, you know? And here we might be afraid of dragging God's name through the dirt if we, if we share, but if we don't share, then we're stealing it, you know? Anyway. That still wasn't even really the beginning of my message. Um, so uh, we're just going to keep doing this, you know, and then eventually I'm going to be out of time and I'm going to say we didn't get to a message. Um, you know, it's, it's about what comes out of our mouths and, and, and what happens with our hands. And as I was thinking about that yesterday, last night, as, as I, was, I, I was, it was another crazy week like last week and it was final hour and I was like, man, I... I really need to hear from God about tomorrow because we need to eat from the Word and I need some help. And I asked Todd and Jen to pray for me as I was getting started. And I went back and sat down in my, uh, in my office and as I was thinking about what we do with our hands and what comes out of our mouth, um, I was praying and just thought, you know what, wisdom, the stuff that comes out of our mouth, the, the, the like profound things that can come out of a person's mouth, the truest wisdom, it doesn't come from intelligent people. It doesn't come from smart people. It doesn't even come just from experienced people. It comes from honest people. That's where wisdom comes from. It comes from people who have learned to be honest about life. And when they've learned true honesty, then they know how things really work. When they're honest about themselves and they see how God interacts, then you gain wisdom. You start to see how this stuff actually works. But when there's layers of deception, you can be brilliant and you can understand all sorts of concepts but the rubber doesn't hit the road and it doesn't get wise. You might, you might sound wise and you might be able to put, you know, expound and say all these wonderful things that are intriguing and make people scratch their heads. But the truth is, is that deep, true wisdom just comes from honesty. 
Honesty. In the same way, acts of service, real acts of love and compassion, they don't come from good people. They don't come from righteous people. They don't come from religious people. True acts of service come from humble people. Humble people. It doesn't descend to us from those who are righteous. The the good acts don't come down to us from, from those really good people. No, they emerge and arise out of those who are humble and who live in unity and community with other people and see themselves deeply connected to others. And when they feel connected to others, then they love others and they serve others. But when they're aloof and good, sometimes it doesn't result in actual goodness. You know, Wisdom doesn't come from the intelligent. It comes from the honest. Love, compassion, service, it doesn't come from the good. It comes from the humble. All right, let's start the message. Matthew. Chapter 25, starting verse 31. You will not have all the words on the screen. Um, usually when we have a, a, uh, a technical difficulty like this, we have a, um, a Mac genius um, sitting on the, on the back there. Matt is our, uh, the guy who runs the software, cr- creates everything and gets it all set up. We have a new guy on the computer today. Everybody give a hand to Chris for helping us out. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Chris. And so uh, we realized that one of the slides, I'm diamond out Maddie a little bit, but one of the slides didn't have all of the, of the scripture on it, and we don't really know how to fix that. So if you have your scriptures, you're blessed, and you should have your scriptures. So if you don't have a Bible, go buy one. And if you don't have the money to buy one, talk to me and we'll get you one. Um, so you might want to actually open the Bible instead of just watching it on the screen today because it's going to go past 39. That says to 39, but we're going to go down past that. So um, starting in verse 31 of Matthew, we're going to start reading and you can stand up in honor of God's word. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. 
whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away and enter eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Blessed be God's word. You can have a seat. Heavy words, aren't they? Ends with heavy words. This in Matthew is the last teaching of Jesus before the cross. This is the last thing before Jesus goes to the cross that he says. This is the the last teaching that Matthew records for us. This is it. He's been telling all these parables and everything. And then he goes into this, his, his last teaching. This is a moment. He really wants us to hear this. There's two ways of looking at this passage. It can be a really scary passage if what we are afraid of is eternal punishment. If what we're afraid of is eternal punishment, then it's a scary passage and there's no getting around what the scripture says. You know, there's all sorts of times when I want to take what the scriptures say and I want to change them and make them say something that I want them to say because I don't like what they say. And that's what I want to do sometimes with a passage like this. But I'm not allowed to do it. That would be a problem, you know? I, I, and uh, hopefully, if I ever did that, that you guys would boot me out of being a pastor pretty fast, you know? Um, because they, we don't lead this church. Christ leads this church. And the way we lead them is by taking the scriptures, seeing what they say, and living by them. This scripture tells us that at some point that Jesus will have a judgment time and he will take everyone and he'll separate left and right. This isn't a parable. This is a teaching. You notice how it starts off? Did you see how it starts off? It starts off, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another. That's not a parable, is it? No, that's just telling us what's going to happen. So there's going to be this judgment moment. And when he does, he's going to separate everyone. And on one side, there's going to be the sheep, And on one side, there's going to be the goats. And then he goes in and describes to us who the sheep and the goats are and where their uh, destination is from from this uh, decision point. Now, there's two ways to view the passage. The one is really scary. You read this thing, and it can put fear in the heart, just like, oh my goodness, am I doing this? The other way that we can deal with this passage is it can be exciting for us. Because on one level it talks about eternal destination and where we go based on on this apparently paradigm that he's laid out. But the other is that if we want access to Jesus, he just told us where he is. And if we want to interact with Jesus, he just gave us very clearly in this passage, this is where I'm at. You want to know me? Here's a great way to know me. And it becomes a formula for knowing and interacting with God. And so I can enter in and be afraid of this passage or I can enter in and be excited about this passage. And frankly, I believe that the difference between whether this passage is going to excite me or whether it's going to make me afraid is all determined by which side I'm standing on. Because I'm going to read this passage differently based on where my heart is. He says there's, there's two kinds of people. There's the sheep and there's the goats. I wanted to know the difference between sheep and goats, so I Googled it. And um, what? I'm not a farmer. <laughs> I don't know. I could have asked Harry or, you know, whoever else. Um, I, yeah, Leona. Uh, I, I could have asked them, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I Googled, and 
it's, you know, it was telling me the difference between them. And uh, when it got to the sounds that they make, it, it was actually like you can click on it and it would make the sounds for you and stuff. And then it like spelled it out. Like it was like, you know, it was like phonetic. It was hilarious, you know. And the one was straight up like, bah, you know. And I'm like, pretty much I knew that one. Okay. But then I'm like, what does the goat say? And it was like, nah. it was like, it started with an N, and it was like, eh, 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 and it was like phonetically spelled out, like dash, 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 dash. I'm like, that's hilarious, you know. But it, basically, it was bat and nah, and I'm like, that's exactly right. Like the sheep are like, okay, bah, and the goats are like, nah, 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 and and then I said, and then it was like there was this YouTube. Uh, link right next to it, and I'm like, I gotta follow this link. So I hit it, and there's this picture. It said like sheep surfing, and uh, it was this goat that was like, it kept jumping on the back of the mama sheep, and it was like surfing on it and everything. And the and the baby sheep that you you right that what you call them, and was like looking up and like watching, like what are you doing to my mama, you know? And the and the goat's just sitting right there on top, and everywhere that went, it was like sitting on top of it, and it'd like run back and forth. And I'm like, that's the personality. Here's the goat, you know, and here's the sheep that's just like kind of like whatever. And this is the picture. Actually, there's actually a personality connected to this thing, connected to this passage between the sheep and the goats. And uh, Jesus says that there, uh, you know, there are those of us who are the sheep, who are needy who are dependent, who follow God, you know, helpless, need the shepherd and know it, you know. And then there's the goats, you know. No, the goats don't really need them, you know. Uh, 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 The staff for them is something to bite and take away, or the fence for them is something to climb and get past. It's not dependence on the shepherd. It's trying to find a way out. It's, It's stubbornness independence. So, this passage that Jesus talks to us about is a little bit intriguing. Here's why. Since the beginning of our Spiritual Toolbox series, we've talked about how we have relationship with God, how we walk in the kingdom. Is it by grace or is it by works? What is it? By grace. We're saved by grace, completely and entirely. In this day, when Jesus separates everyone, does he judge them based on his grace or does he judge them based on their works? Works. This passage is crystal clear. He judges them based on their works. So if we are saved by grace, how in the world can he judge us based on our works? That's not fair. You said we were saved by grace. Now all of a sudden, you're flipping it on us right at the end and telling us if we did this, then we go here. And if we didn't do this, then we go here. That's not okay. Are you lying to us? Like, what's the rub, God? We know he's not a liar, so what is the rub? Like, help us understand. The truth is, is that the sheep, the ones who are dependent, the goats, the ones who are not, reveal whether or not they have faith. We are saved by grace through faith. The works that they are judged on are works of faith. Faith is not just a thought that's floating out there somewhere. Faith is trust, dependence. It's holding on to something. It's like that cute little baby who's holding on to mommy back there, squeaking. (laughs) 
saying it as amen all the time. Okay. Yeah. Quinn's going to be a squeaker. Squeaker. Um, and our acts of faith are, really, he gives us, like we said, all of these things are acts of faith. He has a grace available to us. And when we step out and are obedient in it, then we find access to his grace. Well, the sheep and the goats over and over again have revealed whether or not they have faith. Turn to James chapter 3, or chapter 2, sorry. Starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? I'm just going to stop there for a second and ask you that question. If a person has faith but does not have deeds, can such a faith save him? (laughs) Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? None. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. See, the truth is, is that we have this problem all across the faith, the faith, all across the church. And it's this problem in our definition of what faith is, in our understanding of what faith is. See, we think that if we believe in a theology or a concept that we automatically have faith. But that's not true. If we keep reading, it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The demons know. They have the theology. They know there's one God. They got the right theology but they don't trust. They don't trust God. The difference is whether or not it's put into action, whether the the, the theology that's in here that's planted in works itself out to a place where we're actually trusting, where we're shaping our lives around it. That is faith. Faith is when we step out and trust. Let me ask you a question. Imagine this guy who's at his workplace an Islamic guy, Muslim, and this is in America, you know, and he watches this new guy who comes to work and he overhears the guy talking about his own faith and he's a Christian. Now he watches this guy for a few days and he notices that anytime there's someone of a different color, a different age, a different uh, demographic of any sort, that this guy kind of keeps his distance from those people. All right. How do you think that this man assumes he will be received by that Christian man? He won't be, right? He's like, that guy doesn't want anything to do with me. And and that's what he assumes. Now, the thing is, is there could be any number of reasons why this guy keeps his distance from people. It could be that he's he's shy, he's afraid of them, he doesn't know how to interact with them, he lived a very sheltered life, and he doesn't, you know... But all of that aside, the truth is the truth, is that if this guy keeps everyone at arm's length who's different from him, then certainly this guy who has a different belief in him, he's going to keep it at arm's length, right? And it's a good read. If you go to the, the family of the Simons, you know, they, they are musical geniuses all over the place, you know, and Dave Simon is, loves to take his music and 
and share with other people. He likes to teach people how to play guitar. He likes to teach them all sorts of stuff. If you haven't gotten, if Dave hasn't grabbed a hold of you yet and asked you to learn something, your time's coming. He'll get you. And he'll ask if you want to learn guitar or whatever. Um, and uh, if you want to learn, do it. What's funny is, is that if someone came to Dave and said, you know, I want to learn guitar. I want to learn it more than I want anything else. And then so he taught it. He goes to teach him, but they never actually practice. And they never actually take the time to play the thing. You know, weekend, you know, you miss a week or whatever. Yeah, okay, life got busy. But week in, week out, if that continues, you're, Dave will say at the end, I don't think you really want to play the guitar, you know? You say you want it more than anything else, but I don't think you really want it. And this is how it works with Jesus. Let me explain. How was, how was Jesus seen? Was he seen as an insider or an outsider? Outsider. Right. Was he seen as wealthy or poor? Poor. Was he seen by his authorities as a model citizen or as a outlaw? Outlaw. Okay. So what Jesus does is like the Muslim guy at work. He sits back and he watches us. And he says, all the people that are like me, they're all around you. The poor ones, the strange ones, the outlaws. They're all around you. How are you dealing with them? However you deal with them, guarantee you, that's how you're going to deal with me. There may be all sorts of reasons why, but at the end of the day, you will treat them exactly the same way. You will treat me exactly the same way that you treat them. It's the bottom line. See, this day of judgment, it's not a day where he even really has to make much of a judgment. We've already made a choice. And what he's judging is he's revealing our choice to us. You've chosen. You choose day in and day out whether you want to be with me or not. And you can say that you love God. And you can say that you want to be with Him. And you can say that you trust and lean on God's grace. But every time there's an opportunity to, eh, it didn't look like that's actually what you wanted to do. We are not saved by our works. We're only saved by His goodness, by His grace, by His mercy. But He makes it available to us all the time. And whether or not we trust in it is up to us. And if we think that because we said a prayer someday in our life, that that means that we trust God and therefore have a, a living and vital relationship with God and we're going to spend eternity with Him, then we're not trusting God, we're trusting a prayer. When we trust God with our lives, then we begin to see the relationship build. And we get close to Him. I love how these people, the, the sheep, they were like, when did we feed you? Like, I, I don't know when fed you, you know, and they're completely oblivious because it's, it's just life, you know. It's how they roll because they love God. Okay, there's another way that's a litmus test for our faith is whether or not we serve. Service is the litmus test for our faith. It's an action of faith. If we want to step out in faith, if we want to see the power of God move, then we do what he said. He got down and washed his disciples' feet, and when he was done, he got up and he says, you've seen me do this, now go and do likewise, right? Do the same. And do we trust him? That's the shepherd who's right there. He's hooking us by the scruff, and he's, he's guiding us and directing us. If we trust him, we do. And if we don't, then we don't trust him. It's just that clear, right? It's pretty simple and straightforward. There's another way that we can tell whether or not the faith is legit. Romans 10. This will be another one where you don't, you don't even have to put this on the screen. Cause, well, you can put it on the screen. Go ahead. Yeah, there it is. Romans 10, 9. But we're going to read a little more than that. 
We're going to start in verse 5. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven or who will descend into the deep. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scriptures say, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then? Can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe the one who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Are feet beautiful? You know, I know some people are like, really, really don't like feet. One of them sitting right there. The, another person wearing a shirt that's as bright as mine today. Um, and uh, some people really don't. But feet are not typically the thing you look at and they're like, oh, they're so beautiful. It's not typically the way it works. you know. But how lovely are the feet of those who bring good news? Well, yeah. If you're, if you're running to me to bring me good news, then I love your feet. you know. The truth is, is in this passage, what God's saying is we desperately need the words. We desperately need the words. We can't know the truth of the beauty of God unless we receive the words that tell us about the truth. And in order for people to receive that truth, we actually have to speak that truth. And in the same way that we will serve and love those who God serves and loves, we will speak the truth with those who God wants the truth to be spoken to. It's within us. He says that it's within us. But it comes to fruition in our lives. The power of the gospel becomes a reality in our lives when we confess with our mouth. This is about that honesty. It's, it's smart people who give wisdom, right? No, it's honest people who bring wisdom. Have you ever sensed that, that, that tension in your life where you know that life is about God you know that it's all wrapped up in God and there's no more central figure in my life than God. And yet, when you get into that spot at work with those people who don't really believe the same as you or when you're interacting with your neighbors or whatever it is, like, there's a check. Like, you just don't quite want to be as open and honest about God in that situation because there's a little bit, it's just awkward, you know? Imagine this. Imagine that you knew that every time I went out in public, I took this wedding ring off and I put it in my back pocket. And anytime I was talking to someone and we were having a conversation, you know, I could be talking about what I did last night, but as soon as I got to the part of the story where, you know, Jen and I did something, I always kind of like found a way around that part of the conversation and never mentioned Jen's name. And every time I talked about something I did, even if Jen was there, I never mentioned that we were there together. I just only mentioned me, you know? And I avoid that part of the conversation. 
If you knew that about me, what would you say? I got a problem, right? I got a problem. And you would say that, I don't know if you really love your wife. You seem more ashamed of your wife. You're trying to hide something. You're actually pursuing something else. I don't know what you're trying to chase. But it doesn't seem like wife is priority. Jen, you say you love her, but I don't know. And yet in our stories with God, this is how we roll all the time. You know? There's no more central person, but how much does he come up in conversation? I'm not saying that we're called to each be evangelists and to convert people and do stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that our language, our story, it should be just shared with everyone. I mean, this is who we are. Are we honest or are we not? Honesty isn't just about saying, man, I'm a chump, you know? I mess up all the time. That's part of honesty. I need to, be, I need to not be aloof and, and try to be the good one, you know, but I, I need to be honest about who I am. But I also need to be honest about who God is in my life. And so if I'm open about my story with God, and if I just share with people, then we give God the opportunity to really begin to work in us and through us. See, in the prayer moment, we get to access personal relationship with God. In the scripture moment, he gets to shape us and transform us and he has all this wonderful stuff to do for us. But when we go into openness, when we go into mission, when our eyes begin to get past ourselves, then all of a sudden we begin to see the power of God unlocked in the world around us. And the purpose of our lives begins to be fulfilled. So there's two ways not only to hear the, the text of the scripture, there's also two ways to respond to this message. If I'm a goat, I can respond one way. One of two ways, probably. One is, forget that. <laughs> you know? um, the other way is, wow, I better figure out how to love people and share my story more. That's how a goat responds, not how a sheep responds. See, the goat says, I'm afraid that when God judges me that I won't have done enough of this stuff, so now I've got to go and do it. And they're still thinking that they can save themselves and justify themselves. But the sheep says this, you know what? I bail all the time. My heart yearns to get out of line. I want to be selfish. And the cancer that eats away my life is selfishness. I'm a sinner, I'm a liar, I'm selfish. The thing that should connect me to you is not my goodness, it's my honesty. And when I get real about the fact that I'm a prisoner to selfishness, then those prisoners don't feel that bad and I want to be with them. And when I realize that I hunger and I yearn for validation and respect from people in ways that are probably inappropriate, and I learn to start leaning on God to find it, and I'm being healed from it, then all those who are not respectable, I don't feel different from them. I feel connected to them. When I realize that I hunger and I thirst, the thirsty and hungry are my brothers and my sisters. And when I realize I am sick with sin, and when selfish ambition and greed and independence are who I am, and I want to live in my own little island, and I want things to go my way, and I start being honest and open about that, I become a sheep who allows God to lead me. And the way he'll lead me is to see that everyone else is in the same boat as me. 
live together or die alone. St. Francis of C.C. He was born really like high society, wealthy, <laughs> had everything going for him. He was riding his horse one day and he sees this guy who's full of leprosy. Spirit of God starts working on his heart. He stops the horse and he jumps off the horse and he goes running over to this man whose face is completely disfigured by leprosy. And he wraps his arms around him and he gives him a hug. And as he backs away and lets go, he looks at the man's face and right in front of him, the face changes from that of a leper to the face of Jesus. Right in front of St. Francis of Assisi. He watches it happen. I've never had that experience. But what I can tell you is, is some of the most amazing moments of my life have been when I've just decided to trust God and love someone. When I've just decided to trust God and be honest about who I really am and about who God really is. And in those moments, he begins to unveil something to me that I never would have experienced. In Chicago, it was the homeless. In Pottstown, when I was a kid, it was people on High Street who I would just be open and honest with about my story. But in the moments when I learned to serve someone, he would change me. And I'd find that people who I thought I wanted to distance myself from, they were friends that I, I had no idea the kind of friends they could be and how much it would change my life and infuse me with the grace of God. The truth is today is that um, I believe God wants to respond to us like this. That we may want to run out and try to justify ourselves by doing works of service and by getting in mission. And we do need to get in mission because we'll discover God in mission. But we may want to try to justify ourselves and just buck up and say what I need to say and do what I need to do. But what he really wants today is I believe he just wants to speak this. Don't waste your time trying to find validation. Don't waste your time trying to gain respect from people. Don't waste your time trying to impress yourself, God, or anyone else. Do not waste your time because all it is is a waste of time. The respect, love, validation, everything that you need, I already have it for you in abundance. Just come to me. Just come to me and be with me and you will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. I'll fill you up to overflowing and out of the abundance you will love others. Don't seek for validation. Don't seek for respect. Don't seek for satisfaction. Just come to me and where I happen to be right now is with the least of these. So come to them to find me. Be honest. Be open. Be humble. We share this world. We share this faith. I do not want to be more impressive than any of you. What destructs a community is when we compare ourselves to one another. 
when we brag about ourselves, when we talk about the stuff about us. What crushes a community is when I want to be seen. What gives life to a community is when we look to Him, the King. And it blesses and unifies and unites a community when we look to the King. And the King happens to be among the least of these. He looks like a sinner, but He's not. He looks like He's poor, but there is wealth there. He looks like a leper, but He's the face of Jesus. His grace is available to us today. If we pray, if we read the Scriptures, if we love, if we share, we will find Him in ways that we didn't know we could. Let's pray.